Welcome to episode number 311, Pillars to Success. This is the Rotated Views Podcast with Jimmy Lee and the crew, giving you life from various perspectives. Welcome to our level. We hope you enjoy the views. Brought to you by the Blessed Lifestyle brand. Visit bl3ssed.com to get blessed. Also sponsored by The Motivation Files Unleashed. This motivational mixtape will be your fuel for success. Available on all platforms. All right, you are now tuned into the Rotated Views Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Lee Velez. I'm here with Gabe, Heck, and Chris. Pillars to success. In this episode, we have special guest, Chris Salem. We cover topics that range from tips on business, having a strong foundation, preparation, measurement, and much more. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Robert F. Kennedy and Vince Lombardi. Guys, if you're new, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to download and subscribe to drop a new episode every Tuesday morning for your listening pleasure. Kicking things off. Chris, thank you for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Jimmy Lee, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. This is awesome, man. So so obviously we, uh, we have mutual friends on Facebook. We linked up. We're constantly sharing, um, you know, uh, positive material. Uh, I vibe with people like that. I love and I enjoy and try to surround myself with people like that, Chris. So you're you're like a force of positive energy. So I appreciate everything you do, man. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to sharing uh, with your audience today. All right. So let's jump right in. So for those of us who do not know who you are and what you do, let us know. Sure. Well, I'm ha- I'm a happily married man to my wife Maria now for seven years. I have a almost a 15 year old son from a previous marriage. His name is CJ, who I'm very active in his sports. And other than being a family man, I'm I'm the CEO of CRS Group Holdings and uh, Empowered Fathers in Action, which is a 501c3 organization. So I run two companies, and on the for profit side, we do business executive coaching for business leaders, and then also in groups. And we also work with organizations from anywhere from a half a million dollars to a hundred million dollars in revenue and helping them to scale and create more impact in their brands. With Empowered Fathers in Action, we help uh, families develop interdependent family structures free from limiting beliefs so that we can teach parents how to raise their level of confidence so that they can be uh, reflect more favorably in terms of their communication, behavior, attitude, their emotions and their action to impact their children to become more self-confident as they become adults to be future leaders in their homes, communities, and in their careers and businesses. Wow. I love it, man. That's, that's powerful stuff. So, so how did you actually get started uh, on on both fronts, the for-profit and not-for-profit? How how did that all come together? Was it um, you have past experience uh, with similar interests, or is it just something you've always wanted to do? Yeah, well, I've been in the profit business for a while. So the nonprofit is relatively new, I would say maybe four years now. So we're, okay. we're still young and growing uh, with Empowered Fathers in Action. We originally started off as a way to help empower fathers to step into their roles and to really demonstrate how the father role is you know, very important other than just a provider. And then soon we evolved in helping families develop more interdependent family structures, free from limiting beliefs, so we can help, you know, break the chains of codependency and dysfunction. And of course, that could be addiction as well. That can lead to, you know, people uh, repeating those same mistakes over and over from generations to come. So that's 
where the nonprofit came in. A lot of my experience comes from just running prior businesses, working you know throughout my career. Started in corporate back in 1990. Worked in corporate for about maybe roughly maybe about eight years, and then I went on my own to represent companies in the corporate space, and eventually have other companies before becoming a executive coach in Sierra's Group Holdings. I love it. So explain, what's your take on, uh, we'll, we'll get into the uh, the pillars to success, but I find this interesting because, you know, folks in corporate America, uh, kids come out of college and uh, with a specific degree and some level of experience, they're placed in roles that sometimes might be, quote, considered a leadership role. However, uh, how do you view that when it becomes the role versus an actual leader? Um, and, and how do you differentiate that? And how can one grow into effectively the, the leader that they, they ultimately want? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You know, a role is going to be something that what you do. Yeah. So we all have various roles in life. Either you're, you could be a boyfriend, you can be a girlfriend, you could be a husband, wife, partner, you could be a father, mother, you could be, uh, you could have a, you know, a certain role at work. If you work for somebody or you're, you're running a group of people or you run your own company. So we all have different roles. Leadership. When you talk about a leader, I don't yeah. look at leader as a role in itself. It's a way, it's a way of being. So it's something that that doesn't have a title. A role can have a title or a label, just like, hey, I'm a dad, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a member of my community, I'm, I'm a neighbor, that type of thing. That's a role, and there are various duties that go along with that. When it comes to a leader, a leader is a way of life. It's a way of being. It's not something that's tied to, hey, I manage people and people report to me. It's how, how it shows up in everything that you do in terms of how you take care of yourself, both emotionally, physically, spiritually, financially, how you develop, you know, nurturing relationships with yourself and other people, how you develop your intellectual side of your well-being, and how you really live your life each and every day. So it's not something you turn on when you're doing business or at work. It's something that you are 24-7. So it's not a title it's an action. It, it reflects in your communication to yourself and others, your behavior, your attitude happening for you, not to you, your emotions and seeing it as, you know, challenges as opportunities to grow and expand, not running away from them and then taking daily action. So when we can really step into that, that leadership role, regardless of what that is, what role you're playing, that's going to be the difference between someone that's playing here than playing here, what I like to call it ordinary or extraordinary. So leadership to me is in the eye of the beholder, and it's a, it, it can align to just about any role or duties that you, you have in your day-to-day -day life and work. I love it, man. Well said, Chris. Um, all right, so, so from there, switching gears, back to pillars of success. Um, so for you, uh, two things. What are the pillars to success? And then how did you yourself discover them? Yeah, that's great. So what I, I there, there are three pillars to success. I mean, there are obvious, obviously other things that go under those pillars, of course. Sure. But just to make it simple, we have to have, a, number one, a foundation. So when you look at anything, if you had a beautiful home and you see this beautiful home that you look, you're looking to build or you're looking to enhance an already an existing home into this home that you've always dreamed of. 
What does that home sit on? It sits on a foundation. And what people don't realize is that a lot of times we take the foundation for granted because we're always so caught up in the doing to have better results. I'm looking to get better results in my business. I'm looking to grow my income. I'm looking to grow my net worth. We're looking for the path of least resistance to do what we have to do to get to obtain those results. What we don't realize is that we get so caught up in the do, we get caught up in the funnels, the latest things that are going to help us to get those results. And all those things are great, but they're only as good as what's driving the, the do. And if we don't have anything driving to do or we have no legs to stand on, that's your foundation, then, then those things are not going to sustain itself. That house is not going to sustain itself. You're going to have problems. Your business is going to have problems. Your relationships are going to have problems. Your well-being, your own well-being are going to have problems. So we have to develop and nurture that foundation. And that is in how we think differently. Mm -hmm. So that when we think differently in the present moment versus in the past and the future where fear thrives, we can then be it. Then when we be it, we become it. So mm -hmm. now we develop that foundation. Now we can do things differently and in better ways as we embrace challenges rather than run away from them. And we learn and see them as blessings to grow and expand. That's how we can then do and utilize systems, processes, new ways of doing things to get better results long-term. So for, for the foundation, it's in the it's in how we think from mental toughness in the moment from a, a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset that operates in the past and the future from limiting beliefs rather than the present moment where we operate from anything is possible. If we learn to control what we can, let go of what we can't and focus each day on what we can control to move forward. So the foundation is the how we think differently. And then finally, the top layer of the foundation is how do we connect with other people on a daily basis? How do we talk to ourselves each day from the inner critic or the inner champion? Then how are we building rapport with people? How do we develop that rapport and engage people, connecting on a shared value or values? We can be, we can completely see things differently. We don't even have to like each other, but if we know how to connect on a shared value or values, then we can find out what's best for that situation. What's best for this project we're working on. It's not about who's right or wrong. It's about what's best. But when we can learn to connect on shared core values and build that rapport, we're more likely to develop higher levels of engagement, people coming together to do more and enrolling more people in our business. So that foundation is a combination of thinking, how we think differently to build that be and become, to do and have. And then also, how do we communicate at a higher level to connect and build rapport from uh, shared core values? That's the foundation. Number two is how we then now prepare. Now, we can put a plan together. You know, a lot of times people shoot from the hip. So when we prepare, we can start to put a plan together. We can start to outline our influence strategy, our marketing strategy, our PR strategy. How are we going to go about and, and gain more mark, you know, share of market share in whatever capacity that we serve in whatever industry that you're in? So the key about preparation is being more specific, clear, and concise with what we know. The thing is, we're never going to know everything about our business, let alone everything about what we're working on for that day. We just have to trust the process of controlling what we can and what we know and maximizing that and letting go of the rest. And the only thing I can control each and every day 
is my own communication to myself and others, my behavior, my attitude, my emotions happening for me, not to me, knowing I can choose to make a decision and respond versus react from a secondary emotion that serves rather than the, from the primary emotion where maybe I'm reacting from a negative, uh, uh, from anger or some other negative emotion. So preparation is about, you know, goal setting as well. Writing down everything that you know and then trusting that the pieces that you don't have in your puzzle will come into play later each day, each week, each month to complete the results that you seek at that time. So that's how we think differently, to think in the moment, trusting the process and not getting ourselves tied to the expectation, to the outcome. So preparation allows us to keep focused on the things we control. So that's the foundation and, th and that's the preparation. Measurement means, well, how do we track our success? If we're taking daily action through discipline and consistency and controlling, focusing on what we could control, letting go of what, what we can't, how do we measure that? Are we making progress personally? Are we making progress as a team? Are we making progress overall in our business? So when we can attach key performance indicators to track each day, each week, each month, each quarter, we can see where we're at and where we're going. Are we are we progressing forward? Are we staying stagnant? Are we stay are we regressing? Because without a compass to know where we are and where we're going, you're just shooting, you're just you're just throwing mud at a wall and hopefully that something sticks. So when we can learn to measure effectively, to know what we have to change or modify or get rid of or put more emphasis into, we can then move our personal success individually as a team and the business overall to move forward. And that's the, those are the organizations that really see a big difference and make a great impact in why they do what they do when they understand the, 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 the whole flow of the foundation, preparation, and measurement to move their business along. So that was a, I know there's a lot of stuff there, macro view of it. And how I learned this was just through trial and tribulation, because for the first 30 years of my life, I operated the complete opposite way. I was codependent, passive aggressive in my behavior, in my communication, uh, talked down to people, had a very bureaucratic style of leadership. Uh, nobody could do it better than me. So I, I had a hard time delegating. So I had to learn all of this the hard way and in a way that I had to be humbled. And I was humbled many times, but I learned I'm 55 years old. And, and over the last 24, 25 years, I kind of learned this process over time and I've never looked back. And this is why I do what I do in helping people and their businesses, regardless of size, to move forward. I love it, man. That's fantastic. You said something, well, you said a bunch of interesting things, but one thing that just stuck out to me um, was when you have, when an organization and has almost like the buy-in of their team members uh, for where they're going, would you say that that has to do with their mission statement? And when you join a company that uh, let's say you're an entrepreneur, you want to be an entrepreneur, but you're working for a business uh, first to kind of see how things operate. Is that some? Is that something you want to be in alignment with with the company's uh, mission statement or their vision? Of yeah, I mean, yes, you got to have a mission statement, a value proposition, or a value statement. People connect subconsciously to values, whether mm -hmm. they realize that or not. So, a, a combination of a value statement with a mission statement, you can make that into a value proposition. 
So, because when you meet people, they connect with that, that feeling, right? That feeling that gets them in. Now, words are great, but words are meaningless if there's no action. Mm. So a lot of times what people, you know, you know, connect with are the people that are consistent taking action each day and observing how that shows up in your communication, how that shows up in your behavior, your attitude when you look at challenges is happening for you, not to you, how you respond versus react to difficult situations to move, move forward, and how you take action. That's what people tune into, whether if they know that consciously or not. So a lot of companies can check off boxes and say, hey, here's our mission statement. Here's our values. Here's what we're all about. And then meanwhile, all of those five things, the, the communication, behavior, attitude, emotions, and action don't even align in any way or no, not even close to what they're even saying in their mission statement. So a mission statement, a value proposition, core values, all that stuff is great. But if it's not supported through the through the action and then, then the other four, the communication, behavior, attitude, emotions, and action working together on a daily basis, then it's just words. So it, it, that's yeah. what's really important. And when you can be the example of that and be resourceful, you're empowering people to do that for themselves. You're not telling people how and why to do it. You're, you're encouraging them to make their own decision. And if they buy into that and, and be able to be who they are and become now part of this with you, that's going to be the difference in really building higher engagement, building an interdependent work culture versus a codependent one, and how that will reflect outward to create better and more valuable experiences for the customers or clients that you serve. Wow. You are absolutely spot on when you stated that, uh, you know, the words are great, but they're nothing without the action behind them. I, I was part of two separate uh, companies where, there was an exchange of hands and leadership and, and actually at the CEO level and on both occasions. Now I, I want, I want to hear your input on this on both occasions, the mission statement or the value proposition did not match almost at all with the new guy. And it, was, it just said, it was so disingenuine. He was just saying words. And in fact, there was like an influx of, uh, team members just leaving it just it felt fake it felt like and it's not I, I don't even know if it's even his fault he came into something that was already established um and what was what was tough while pe I think people gave him a chance was because his uh, predecessor retired it wasn't like he left on bad terms and so he was coming in young fresh ready to rock and roll but people the t the, the the former CEO just had a way that his style was so, so different. The contrast was yeah. almost unbearable, did not match. And yet you had someone who was there from the early 90s um, for 30 plus years, whatever it was. And you have like a new energetic guy who I think intentions and everything was good. It just did not mesh well. And I think that's probably a normal thing. I mean, you would know. Um, yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's quite common. You know, again, it, it, when, when you bring people into your organization, are they going to have the same values verbatim to you or even the organization? Of course not. But we can find a way that we can connect on shared values. So if somebody is, you know, I'm transparent, I'm, I, I operate from honesty and integrity. Those are the three values that represent who I am. They, they represent my business, both in the profit and for the nonprofit. Does that mean that my COO or my co-founder and Empowered Fathers Action have the same 
uh, values like me? No, but they have similar ones that we can connect on. So we can base our communication from that, our behavior, our attitude. So this way, subconsciously, we're making a connection. There are going to be some cases where values are in complete contrast with one another. And that's the case. It's okay because we're never going to be everything for everyone. So when that's the case, that doesn't mean you're wrong, I'm right, or I'm wrong, you're right, or I'm a bad person, you're not, and vice versa. It just means that that we're just this just doesn't work. And that's just the reality. And that's something that a lot of times if organizations are are very are more aware of this and can now start to incorporate this into their onboarding process, they're going to hire more effectively and they're going to start to save money on their onboarding and and, and retain these people for longer periods of time. People leave jobs, not necessarily because they got, they're getting paid higher somewhere. They leave jobs because of bad leadership, people that they don't get along with. It's not the organization overall. It's just a few things that they just don't line up. Their values are, are off. The communicate, their communication is based on assumption and speculation. It's not specific, clear, and concise. And it's just, it's dysfunction. And, and that's the, if organizations can understand that and do a better job of learning to focus on what they can control and, and, and providing more resources that will help people to tap into this, to do for themselves, the better off they'll be long-term instead of trying to, you know, help people and do it for them and try to fix them and try to change them and, and all of the above. Those things are just don't work and just lead to more dysfunction, people checking out people not living up to their full potential and leaving. I love it. Well said. Um, so one of the pillars to success is measurement. And I want you to kind of dig a little bit deeper and share, how do we know measurement, right, is a feedback mechanism that we use. Um, so how do I know I'm measuring the correct uh, items or tasks, yep. goals? Can, can you expand a little bit? Yeah. Goal setting. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, in the preparation, you, you know, you're setting s- certain goals, but now you got to be able to align key performance indicators that align with those goals. So every business could be, you know, different. So you're not using the same KPIs. Like you know, if if company A is using these, then company B should be using them. No, right. it's finding the KPIs that are most important. You know, you could you know you could have like six are pretty average. It can be more, but the more custom it is to your situation, the better. So like a simple KPI could be something off of your profit and loss statement. So if you look at the last three years of your P&L that from your accountant, you can look at, okay, here's the revenue. Here's what the our income streams generated in terms of revenue in 2021, 2020, and 2019. Here's our cost of goods sold and our expenses. And then looking at that. And then looking at when you subtract that, that gives us our net operating income. A net operating income is like a KPI. That's a general KPI to track, hey, are we making money or are we not making money? And if we're stagnant or we haven't grown significantly from the year before, then why? Or maybe we're spending too much money in these particular areas or we're not making enough money in these certain areas. So that's just a, a, a basic general KPI that, you know, I, I'm using here so that everybody could understand that. Now we could track a lot of different things. We could track how your marketing is working for you, your SEO. You, we could track, you know, you know the the amount of people that convert based upon your your sales process. 
You know, what is the, what is which is what is more effective this way or this way? So there's there's a lot of different ways that you can track your performance based upon how your business is set up. And you can do this at the individual level. You could do it at the team level and the organization level overall. Most organizations do it at the at the at the uh, organization level and maybe the team level. And when they do at the individual level, yes, they may be measuring certain things that people are doing, but they're not connecting the dots, you know, at a deeper level from the individual to the team to the organization. When companies can do that better, now you begin to see how you can connect the dots. Who's really now making, you know, who's really performing, who's not performing. And if the people that are not performing, why, what can we do to help them to help themselves? Or do we cut, you know, bait now and just let them move on to go to something maybe it's better suited for them. Many times that will also allow people to determine maybe they're not in the profession they think they should be in, or maybe they're caught up in the things that they're not good at versus the things that they are. And if we can now position them for success to leverage their strengths, rather than magnify their weaknesses, we can then, you know, get more performance and productivity out of that person. So this is all what KPIs allow us to uncover and determine how we adapt, make changes, modify things to move forward. I love it. Talk, if if you don't mind, a little bit about, um, you you mentioned earlier, I think transparency and communication. Can, Can you explain the importance or maybe... Uh, give an example of the importance of uh, uh, communicating effectively, uh, communicating uh, information that probably should just stay uh, uh, in the boardroom with the leadership level versus communication that goes to the rest of the team, but the importance of having that transparency, uh, or do you believe that? I believe in full transparency. Why is because when you don't filter that communication down to a certain level it's like that it's like that game telephone that kids used to play way way back in probably yeah. my grandfather's era you know yeah. you say one thing by the time it gets to the last person it, they they completely it's out of context of what where it originated from and many times that that's a bureaucratic or an autocratic style of leadership very old fashioned how most organizations especially when the industrial revolution started, a lot of those manufacturing companies were operating in a bureaucratic environment. I know my first job out of college in 1990, I worked in a for an aerospace manufacturer. You talk about bureaucracy; that is yeah. as big as it comes. Yeah. And 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 when you when, and when you use force and you talk down to people and you yell and scream to get production, that's insanity. But that unfortunately was the reality of how things were. Now, when you get promoted because you threatened to, to, you know, hurt somebody, which I actually did at that back in 1991 and then got promoted for it, that's a scary thing. And that, yeah. and that was the catalyst that said, I'm out of this place because this place is going to kill me if I stay here. Yeah. But things have changed over time, obviously. It, you know, it, the, a lot of organizations have moved more towards a like a, a servant coaching style, a, even a democratic style where there's still some of that structure from the top down, like in an autocratic bureaucratic environment, but they, they allow people at various levels to have input over certain things that they feel can better the organization at the team level, at the d- business unit level, at the organizational level. And, but a lot of times that 
It's the organizations that create a, a flow of communication from the top down, from the bottom up, where it's very specific, clear, and concise. It's supported by written uh, uh, communication, not just verbal. And and they and they and they strive to you know leverage resources to help people to to get better. They they invest in their people. Those are the organizations that are really really elevating themselves. And they not only do they effectively communicate either as a sender or receiver of the communication, but they're actively listening. And mm-hmm. they always say that you know you listen loudly, you, you talk you talk softly softer. So the key is is you know the people that listen the best to relate and understand versus respond first are more likely to build better rapport and, you know, gain more, you know, a commitment in, in the things that they're looking to do and accomplish. And of course with customers as well. I love it. So it's so fun because I feel like my grandfather who uh, was in a, you know, a factory uh, position at one point as a child, it, you almost felt that he brought that home with him too. Yeah. Um, it was just, you know, very strict. They had it, everything had to happen this way. Um, and we're all just kind of like, yes, sir, type of deal. Um, it's interesting though, uh, when when you when you flip the script and you treat your team members uh and you invest in your team members, uh how different the outcome can be. We I, I worked for a company that did not invest in anything for training. Um, and I'm not speaking job specific training, leadership training. Um, and just just growth potential and, and believing and investing in their team members versus a company that they they believe highly in this and you can see that how much the team members care they're drink everyone's drinking the juice because the company's investing in them they're invested into the company um, and it's it, it's it's applicable to all parts of life I mean from your your specific. Uh, for-profit versus your non-profit you can apply these across the board so so yeah. what's 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 your what's your take on investing in your people uh for them for their personal growth i mean i think it's a huge thing it's it's one of the best investments you can make because just like you said Jimmy Lee, it this is not something you do just at work you don't turn the switch on and then turn it off at night and you're completely like a dr jekyll mr hyde yeah for leadership to be for, for leadership to be effective for communication to be effective to see significant change. It's got to be something that becomes you to be, to become it on a consistent basis. It's got to be 24 seven. It shows up in how you relate to your wife, to your husband, to your kids, to whatever situation, whatever role or hat you're wearing at that time, this could be applied to. And when you can learn these skills, regardless if it's at work or at home, these are things that are going to serve and you're going to get more out of your people long-term. Does that mean everybody changes at the same time, no. Does that even mean that everybody will change over time? Not necessarily. There's no guarantee. But if you can see it increase, you know, with your people, you know, over overall, then it's working. There's always going to be certain people that will never get it. And that's just the way it is. And you can't tell somebody how, when, or why to do it. It's just like your child. Yeah, you're a parent. You might be able to, you know, you know, ground them or reprimand them. But nonetheless, you still can't control their right. communication their behavior, their attitude, their emotions, or course of action, like you think you are as a parent. You just never will. Yeah. And, and and if people can learn to stop trying to f- try to change other people and try to f- control other people in those five areas, they'll and focus only on the five areas that they can do for themselves only and just take responsibility for that. 
empower people through your example and resourcefulness to do the same in their roles. That's what create, that's the greatest gift you can give someone. It's the greatest gift you can give your kids, your spouse, your people that work for you, people that you work for and vice versa. So again, it's regardless of the role or duties. It's just that, that what's most important is the discipline and consistency to do things that you've never done before. And a a lot of times these changes have to take place over time to become embedded at the subconscious level. And that's often through how, what, how what we do in our daily routine, you know, getting up at a certain time, doing certain things that will serve you to fill your cup so that you could be a better example and resource for others. I love it, man. You're super spot on with the, um, the, the, the roles just, it's, 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 uh, it's across the board because, um, in one of my management positions, uh, and then I'm also a father of two, when we had our first son, my wife and I had our first son, uh, James, you know, there's a lot to figure out. We read books, we watched videos, we have our own life experience from our parents and grandparents, took advice from every whatever. It was awesome. You know, it was, uh, it was a fantastic experience. So the separate, and then we had Cade four years later. So we had four years experience, right? So we quote, went to college as a parent and <laughs> thought we had it all figured out. And then Cade comes along. And as you mentioned, his attitude, his demeanor, everything is totally different. Same genetics, same two parents, everything, but it's told we we parent Cade way different uh, because we have to, I, I don't believe in that one, um, whatever shoebox solution for both. Yeah. Right. And the same is true when I was, um, had a position of, uh, several team members, I could not apply. Even if my principle was the same, my approach had to be different with one person can take, and you, you know, this one, one client can take the heat and you could just, you know, cascade information down there and just fly it and they, they could accept it. It might hurt someone else's feelings, though. Another client, the way you come off, right? So explain a little bit about maybe the principle is the same, but the approach is different. Yeah, again, there's no one size fits all. It's not like, hey, this is the way that you do this. No, it, it comes down to what, again, you, the situation. And, you know, yeah. it could be a business. It could be your family. It could be whatever. So, it, again, it's finding what works, but when it comes down to it, if we can use those principles I, I've shared with you and then customize something around that, yes. the better off we're going to be. The, the key is, is how do we communicate in the present moment, not in the past and the future? Fear thrives in the past and the future. Fear mm. is reduced in the present moment. Mm. How do we respond versus react to situations? Again, our emotions happening for us, not to us. So our communication when it's in the moment tends to be more assertive, meaning that we're more specific, clear, and concise in our communication, whether if we're the sender or the receiver. When we are operating from fear in the past and the future, we're operating from a place of being passive or aggressive or both in our communication. Passive communicators tend to be yes people. They say yes to everything. And the reason why they do that is because they're seeking validation from other people because they didn't receive it growing up when they were a child. That was me. I didn't get it from my father. So I went out of my way to please and enable people subconsciously to get their, their recognition, to feel like I was worthy and, and re, that I that I helped them. And all I did was keep them stuck, stagnant, and I was exhausted, miserable, and resentful. Yeah. It's, it's codependency 101. And aggressive people are, the, you know, will be place high expectations onto others and other people. And guess what? It's never good enough. Nobody, you can't delegate. Nobody can do it better than you. Mm 
And then you push people away. And that was me as well, because I was a perfectionist. So passive aggressive behavior or communication behavior is highly codependent. It's not effective. It doesn't build up organizations or build business. It keeps things stagnant and regress. And in this case, it can regress things. Assertiveness is the ability to think in the moment, mm-hmm. trusting the process, seeing it, th- things as a puzzle, focusing on what you can control with the pieces you have, and trusting that the pieces you don't have in your control will come into effect later to con- complete your results. So it's shifting your whole way of thinking away from the expectation tied to the outcome to focusing on the process instead. The results are a byproduct of that. Assertive be- of communication is much more effective. Well, again, as the sender or receiver. So now we can offset uh, the assumption and speculation factor in communication, which often leads to all these problems, divorces, misunderstandings, people leaving jobs, people getting, you know, blowing up and getting, you know, disrupted with other people when they react to situations, all of the above, all of the above. Assumption and speculation, mm. assertiveness, being specific, clear and concise, much better. I love it. So one of the principles, uh, again, is measurement. And I, I'm curious to hear, uh, you said it earlier, it's it's an odd thread that's been happening la- recently, the last two weeks. I keep hearing these uh, trigger or keywords, uh, active listening. Um, so so I think active listening and, and, and accepting some level of feedback is going to help with your, your me- measurement. Um, can you can you just express briefly the, the importance of active listening? What does it mean to you, um, it, it, its importance? So active listening is the ability to really be in the moment when you really are ta- listening, meaning yes. that I could hear what's like back at 20 something years ago, I could hear somebody telling me, hey, this is what, what I'm looking to do. And I could hear it. Right. Not that I couldn't hear it. I, I could hear it. But what I was I was already into the future. I was already two minutes ahead of them. Waiting for them to stop and say, hey, I got the solution for you. This is what's going to help you do this. Let's show you what that is. Now, you would think, well, God, I got what, what it takes to help them. But we are, what, I was hearing them, but I really wasn't listening. And the reason why is because my mind was not in the moment. I was already in the future. But then again, my mind was also in the past because I was doubting myself. My self-limiting beliefs from my past were doubting myself. So I had to say, well, if I put myself in the future and I can get to the punchline quicker than later, then maybe there's a shot that they're going to say yes. And that will give me this little instant boost of confidence. But really, is that sustainable? No. It's knowing that that whatever happens is going to happen, regardless if it's whatever I can control. Great. Whatever I can't, I got to let it go. But active listening is being in the moment, really listening between the lines, really understanding where people are, what's really important to them. It may have nothing to do with what your product or service can do. They may not even know what's really important to them. But when you ask them further questions and that eventually you might get to where like, hmm, now I think about it. I know this is what's really important to me. And this can then build your level of rapport to get to where, hey, is it okay if I make a suggestion? Yeah. You said this, this, and this. And then you cited that this is what's really important to you. What if you were to do this, this, and this? That may not be directly related to what's important to you, but then it would it would lead to that. And then by doing that, that would lead to then what's really important to you. Could you see how my product or service now 
could help you to do that. Tell me, share with me more. So again, it, I'm not saying it's that easy, but I'm just trying to sure. give it as a hypothetical situation. Sure. That being said, the when we really listen, people feel related to and understood. They feel that that when you do talk to them, you sound more compelling to them. They don't care about what makes you unique or what makes you stand out and why you're the best product or service until you give them a reason why. So I never come with a canned approach. I come prepared. I know what, you know, where, so if, if it goes down this path, I know I can go there. If it goes down that path, I can go there. I keep it f- fluid and I adapt to where the conversation goes. That's the power of active listening. Less it. talking, more, more listening and really listening, not only hearing with our, with our ears to relate and understand, but also seeing, looking at sensory acuity, picking up on their v- vibration their vibrational energy, looking at their body language and looking at their eyes. It's a combination of all these things that really show that, wow, this person is really listening to me, that he's engaging me. I feel included. I feel important. That's active listening. I love it. I love it. Well said. Um, All right. So uh, changing gears just a little bit. Can can you, back in 2006, I was introduced to uh, the self-help, personal development industry, what have you. Um, and then I really started working, truly working on myself uh, as an individual, professional person, son, uh, brother, what have you, um, and truly changed my life. The library of 500 plus books uh, on every office. There's a lot. There's books everywhere. Listening to podcasts, listening to video, all that's fine and dandy. But applying the knowledge uh, of of what you're you're getting or retaining the knowledge is is truly what is important, and then kind of tweaking it to you know what works best for you. What are your thoughts on the the, the personal development industry? Do you do you read books? Are you uh, into these things? Yes, I I think uh, personal development is very very important. Again, it's in the eye of the beholder. One thing I would just caution though is that there are a lot of people that get caught up in getting ready to get ready meaning that they go to every personal development function. They buy every tape. They buy, well, again, I'm dating myself when I say tape, but you know where I'm going with that, <laughs> buying resources with that. But with, with saying that, that, but then they don't do anything with it. Yes. They're, they're stuck in, the, they're stuck in like, I'm gathering in, in information, but they don't do anything. So the greatest thing that you people could do is that personal development is ongoing. It's finding what is required to be, become first aware and then knowing that I don't have to make all these changes overnight because that would be overwhelming. I'm setting myself up for failure if I'm going to do yes. that. But if I can do one thing and do that well over a period of time, then I go to the second thing, then the third, then the fourth. Because as I keep doing it over and over again, it becomes embedded at the subconscious level. And that reflects outward in all my things. It reflects in my confidence, my self-esteem, my, my how I communicate, how I behave, how I, my attitude how I respond versus react to situations and how I show up and take action, how I make decisions, how I take calculated risks. So these are the things that are, you know, happen over time. And I believe personal development is something that, that it should be encouraged by, by your example and resourcefulness, whether if you're just a friend or a colleague or you're an organization doing this, but encouraging people to do, you know, to do it for themselves, invest in themselves. Don't just depend upon your company to do that for you. Go out and do that for yourself. This is your, you have, you have this life 
and you get to decide and choose what that's going to look like. And so you have to take advantage of these resources and do do something with it. You don't have to do it overnight and you're not alone. There's always somebody you can that could help and point you in the right direction. But stop looking for people to do, do, do for you. You're never going to grow that way. I love it. Yeah, man, I was, I was, uh, I, exactly what you stated. I was a, a victim of um, information overload. And it was just, I was, I was that guy. I, what, what it was, it was so fascinating to me. Um, but then you quickly realize within a specific, and it was a short period of time that you have to start applying these things and, and, and working them out. Cause not, here's the other thing, not every book, uh, or, or tape or whatever we had, I have old Dennis Waitley tapes, um, that that's out there is you could is even applicable. So, uh, you know, it, it's a, we, we learned a long time ago is the shopping cart method. We all have to go to the grocery store to get our groceries, but we're all grabbing different things. Right. And yeah. it's the same thing with reading books and, uh, you know, digesting this material we're, we all need it. We all, you know, we all need the, um, uh, the, the, the information, uh, but it's, you have to grab what works best for you. What's going to apply to you. Um, but yeah, that, that's fantastic. Earlier in the conversation, you mentioned about being your son's coach. So I kind of wanted to shift gears because uh, we're all dads here and get your take on um, maybe tips or success tips or the foundations, the pillars of success for kids. Is, is, that, is this something I should share with my- Oh, eight- absolutely. The sooner, the sooner, the better. And this is the things we do at Empowered Fathers in Action, teaching parents or even you know dads or moms both to do, do this in their own families. The sooner, the better. I know I'm speaking at the end of this month at Leadership Summit America in Albany, New York. Uh, Jeff Hoffman will be there, who's the uh, was the founder of uh, Priceline.com. Jeff's a uh, you know multi-billionaire, and he speaks around the world. And he is a big advocate of developing youth leaders and and helping youth to step in become entrepreneurs at a young age i highly encourage these things at a young age because these are the things that are going to help youth to give them a sense of who they are why you know feeling that they're worthy and not you know because again i don't put a lot of trust into the school system and what they teach these days and they don't really teach real life they just teach theory and you know and again we can't just rely upon our schools to to raise our children, we have to be able to take ownership. And this is why it's so vitally important for the, the mother and father, even with our busy schedules, that in, in it's not about how much time you're with them. It's the quality of time. And then that quality of time, how can you be the example and be a resource to empower your children to step up, to lead their own lives? I, I think the sooner, the better, you know, what, you know, maybe even as early as the age where they can really, you know, comprehend these things at seven years old. You can, you know, it, it, a lot of people say, well, that's too early. Well, I don't know. I think that, that that's the ripe age where their minds are like sponges and they begin to absorb things. And, and that's the great way to kind of catch them where you can then offset those limiting beliefs that will have a negative impact on them versus planting more positive beliefs that will now positively impact them to be, to be that leader in their lives, in their, their careers, whatever they choose. I love it. And you're spot on with the age, too, because I remember uh, my dad had a little side hustle selling uh, stuff at flea markets. And he would take me with him and taught me all about customer service, uh, uh, the sales or the price of things, not showing emotion when you're selling uh, because you're going to sell yourself short on specific things. I was a little kid and I still carry all of that still with me today. Uh, 
years later, literally. So um, it, it, it's incredible. Uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. Um, all right. So one last question, and then we'll get to anything we may have missed or any other topics you wanted to cover. And if not, uh, how folks can uh, connect with you. What do you say to someone who is frustrated uh, or feeling stuck in their business, but is ready for change? I would say that it's okay. It's okay to feel stuck. It's, it's part of the process. You could ask any successful person that you may admire, had they always been where they're at or successful? No. Many right. had even more difficult hardships and, and difficult situations that they came into. It's, all, it's about committing to the process, trusting the process, focusing again on what you can control each and every day, letting go of the rest. You don't have to figure all this out you know, immediately. I remember talking to Richard Branson back about 15 years ago at a party. Wow. And I asked Richard, I said, Richard, when you buy a business, do you know everything about that business? He goes, no. I just feel like I, 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 you know, I have some facts. I have some market intelligence that shows there's a proof of concept. As long as there's a proof of concept and right. that we can sell something here, we figure out the rest as we go. Wow. You're never going to know everything. And if you're waiting for to, to know everything, then you're never going to get going. You're always going to be where you're at and you're going to go, you're going to tiptoe to your grave with regret. So the key is, is just to do it. You make a mistake, you learn and grow from it. Fail forward. I failed forward my, my, my entire life. I still fail, but it's not failure unless I quit or give up. So the best teacher that there is, is making a mistake, you know, something not working. Sometimes it could be where everything implodes and it can be the greatest thing that ever happened to you in hindsight. So again, it's trusting that process of shifting your weight way of thinking to not see things happening for you, not to you. Focusing on what you can control, shifting away from expectations to outcomes, trusting that process. When we can do that, we can begin to see that these setbacks, challenges are all part are necessary to grow and expand. And without them, we, we wouldn't grow. So I would just say if you're feeling frustrated, it's okay. There are people that can relate and understand that. The key is, is not to keep yourself stuck there, allow that to dictate your next decision. The decision is just to move forward in the moment and just learn from that mistake and do something else that, that, that you didn't do before towards the same goal. If that doesn't work, do, do something else. Eventually something is going to work, or you may find out that's not the business for you and that's okay. Maybe now I can look at something else. I learned from this. Now I can apply those skills somewhere else. And that's going to be the, 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 the magic ticket to move forward. So the key is to constantly be taking action being in the moment, learning as you go, and you know, be, being prepared, of course, but but not that you have to be like know all the answers up front. I love it. So so before we close out, is there anything that we didn't touch that or that you wanted to discuss or anything we may have missed? Um, if so, have at it. If not, what's the best way uh, the listeners can connect with you? Sure. One thing I didn't cite, and I always like to leave this before I like give the kind, I like to leave the, the audience with a statement that I always share. And this is a statement that when you hear it, write it down and look at it every day and recite it back to yourself five times a day. I love it. And really and start to put it into action. I can guarantee you in time, it will change your life and change the directory of your business. Give without expectation 
receive without resistance. Now, what that means is mm. when you give without expectation, you're not just giving everything away because right. now you're opening yourself up with no boundaries for people to take advantage of your goodwill, meaning that they'll drain you like a vampire seeks blood. Yeah. And But you're giving without expectation from a place of empathy and kindness and from a place of being resourceful. That's a big difference because you're not doing, doing, doing for people and keeping them stuck or saying yes to everything. You're doing it with boundaries. <clears throat> and when you can be the example and be a resource, you're empowering people to do for themselves. Mm. Now you're doing it without expectation. Meaning if you did this, doesn't mean that it's going to come back to you from that person. But knowing, now again, I say that word knowing, you will know that it will come back, whatever that is, whether it's a recognition, a pat on the back, you found a penny on the ground. You you, you made a million dollars. Whatever you got, you got a, you landed a brand new client. Whatever it is, it comes back to you. And when it does, you don't question where it came from. If it serves you, receive without resistance. Now, if it doesn't serve you or it won't help others, then obviously no, you're not going to accept something that's going to bring you down. But if it serves you to serve others through your example of resourcefulness, you receive without resistance. Many people don't have a problem giving without expectation. And oftentimes they, they make themselves too, they do it from a place of pleasing and enabling, not empathy and kindness. Big difference. Yeah. One is codependent, one is interdependent, but they have a hard time receiving. They mm. can't even receive a compliment. They can't even receive, oh, you don't have to pay me. You don't have to do that. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm not, you're taking that money because they're willing to give that to you because that money now is going to circulate somewhere else. It's energy. You're doing that person a favor also by receiving what they're willing to give you. It's powerful, but a lot of times people don't realize that. And when we say no, or we resist, we cut off that flow. We cut yeah. off the flow. That's, that's interesting. Uh, I, I was at, I was at one of these conferences, one of these self-help, uh, uh, meetings and they, that was actually an exercise. The exercise was, uh, go to five people in the audience or someone around you and give them a compliment. But the key was, uh, you cannot compliment. The person couldn't compliment you back. So you had to receive the compliment and just accept it. And I gotta be honest with you, that was extremely hard because a guy who was very well-dressed complimented all my shoes or something. And instantly I wouldn't say, Oh, I like your shoes too. And I couldn't, and it was an interesting. You couldn't say thank you. I, I thank you for the for the compliment. Yeah, it, it, it it's it's a hard thing because again, it's it's our it's it could be our conditioning. It could be that we don't you know maybe there's some there's some limiting beliefs at play there again because we're resisting. But these are the things I found that that statement has worked for me. Now I came up with that statement many several years ago. But, you know, there have there been people that have been practicing this, just they use different terminology, of course. Sure. Uh, but for but they understand the law of the universe. They understand the laws and how energy flows. And that's all it is. We are energy. You are energy. We all vibrate at different levels. Money is energy. Material things are energy. Yes. Everything is energy. And when we resist, we, we, we lower ourselves to a lower vibrational energy. We are now... We're, we're, we're inviting scarcity into our lives now versus. Mm. Wow. Powerful stuff. 
You're the man, Chris. I appreciate it, man. So, so if folks wanted to reach out to you, um, you have a website, you have uh, yeah. social media uh, handles, anything you want to share, how can folks connect with you, both for-profit, non-profit, you personal, whatever you want to share? Yeah, I'll share the the profit uh, for profit and nonprofit. So my for profit with the executive coaching, we work with individuals, uh, groups, and then also organizations. Bus- you know, businesses can be a dental office. It can be right up to a a, a company that's a hundred million or less. Uh, I also have a team of people that can help at that level of, of size of an organization. Sure. Uh, with individuals, we help them from the personal development to the professional development, developing them into influencers. I can be that can, you can access at ChristopherSalem.com. We have the nonprofit that again helps families to, to create um, better in, interdependent family structures, free from limiting beliefs to create uh, children to become adults as become our future leaders in their homes, communities, and businesses. That's at efamovement.org, efamovement.org. Best place on social media is LinkedIn. I tend to spend a little more time there than the other channels. Uh, just Christopher Salem. You can find me there. And if anybody would like to reach out to me by email, Chris, C-H-R-I-S at Christopher Salem, my full name, dot com. And I'm all about building relationships. It's all about getting to know people and love to learn about you and wh- why you do what you do. I love it. All right. So there you have it, folks. Uh, Chris Salem. We'd like to wrap things up with quotes. And the first one is by Vince Lombardi. The difference between a successful person and others is not the lack of strength, not the lack of knowledge, but rather a lack in will. And the second one by Robert F. Kennedy, only those who dare to fail greatly can ever achieve greatly. All right. So there you have it. Pillars to success in this episode. We have special guest Chris Salem. We cover topics that range from tips on business, having a strong foundation, preparation, measurement, and much more. We wrap the episode up with quotes from Robert F. Kennedy and Vince Lombardi. Awesome. Guys, thanks again for joining us. The Rotated Views podcast was produced for self-development purposes. Huge shout out to our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by the Blessed Lifestyle brand. That is BL3SSED.com. Also sponsored by The Motivation Files Unleashed. This motivational mixtape will be your fuel for success. Available on all platforms. Guys, don't forget to visit the website, JimmyLeeVelez.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rotated Views. If you have any inquiries or questions, email us at info at JimmyLeeVelez.com. On behalf of myself and the rest of the crew, we wish you massive success. Stay blessed.